to you by the Las Cruces Sun News. This is Straight Shooter. What is going on, everybody? This is Justin Martinez, a.k.a. Jade Sports Dude. And if you are listening right now, let me just say thank you for tuning in to Straight Shooter, the podcast where I shoot from the hip and give you everything that you need to know about the New Mexico State men's basketball team. This is episode 10 of our season-long journey. So if you're a returning listener, then welcome back. I miss you. And if you're new to the program, well, then welcome to the family. Where have you been all my life? Guys, we have a lot to talk about today. So sit back and relax because I got you i'm coming to you from a place i like to call the saloon so bartender what do we have on tap for today on tap today is a recap of the western new mexico game injury updates week four whack predictions and a preview of the grand canyon series Alrighty, thank you bartender i have my lasso in hand and it's time for our post game roundup the segment where i round up my thoughts on the most recent new mexico state game and in this case the aggies earned a 70 to 41 win over western new mexico on monday at utep's don haskins center new mexico state was a technical home team in this one and this was a game that almost didn't happen if you follow my coverage on twitter that's at jade the sports dude quick plug right there you saw that the teams didn't finalize the contract until two hours before tip-off which was 4 p.m. Mountain Time. The Aggies were actually on the bus heading to El Paso when the contract was finalized. Pretty crazy stuff, but I guess it's par for the course considering how the season has gone so far. But it all resulted in a New Mexico State win at the end of the day, and I have my three biggest takeaways from the contest. Let's get started with takeaway number one, and it's that Wilfer Lakai continues to make strides. The Aggies were without a number of players in this one for various reasons, which I'm going to get into in segment number two, and that allowed Lakai to make his first start of the season. That a Richard Jr. took full advantage of the opportunity, recording career highs of 20 points and 6 rebounds on 6 for 10 shooting. He was a force on the glass, and he spread the floor really well, hitting a pair of 3-pointers in the process. I know it was against a Division II team, so take that with a grain of salt, but you've got to love the aggressiveness that he showed in this one. One of my bold predictions at the beginning of the season was that Lakai would lead New Mexico State in points per game off the bench, and I feel as confident as ever in that prediction. He should go back to the second unit once Donnie Tillman and Mayan Kerr return, and I think he's going to continue to provide some much-needed depth for the Aggies. Now, my second takeaway from Monday's game is that New Mexico State got a good one in Gerald Dokes. The 6'2 freshman committed to the Aggies on January 14th and was immediately able to suit up, so he made his college debut against the Mustangs. Now, Dokes racked up 11 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 steals in just 14 minutes of PT. Again, it was against a Division II team. I have to emphasize that. But keep in mind, this is a kid who joined a team that was on pause at the time. He got one or two practices under his belt once that pause ended, and all of a sudden he has to be thrown into the fire on a team that doesn't really have a whole lot of bodies at the moment. It doesn't really matter who they face. It was a tough situation, and he made the most of it. In those 14 minutes, Stokes managed to showcase a number of skills. He was active on defense, with the exception of a few breakdowns. Again, he's still learning the system. He was also patient on offense. He didn't seem rushed, and he showed a willingness to crash the glass as well, which is something you always look for in your guards to help take that pressure off the big men. There was a play where he missed a three-pointer, chased down his own rebound, and took it to the hole for a layup. That effort is really all you want to see out of a freshman in his first game. Now, there's still room for improvement, of course. I think he could benefit from getting a bit stronger. That would help him on both ends of the floor. But the potential is there for him to really thrive at the college level. I think Dokes is going to be one of New Mexico State's top players later down the line. Not this season because it will be a crowded backcourt once everyone is healthy. 
assuming that does happen, fingers crossed. But still, there's a lot to love about what we saw out of him on Monday. And if you guys want to see a full breakdown of Dokes' game, he is the focus of our Sun News Spotlight, a weekly series where I highlight a player on the team and talk about what he brings to the table. I broke down some film from his debut against Western New Mexico, and you can check that article out on lcstunnews.com. Now, it is a subscriber-only article, so that's a little incentive to subscribe to the Sun News if you haven't done so already. It's only $3 for the first three months, guys. Come on now. Pass up on the cappuccino today and use that to pay for it. I don't know how much cappuccinos cost. I don't drink coffee, but you get my point. Subscribe, check out the article. And now let's move on to my third and final takeaway, which is that the Aggies need to get guys back. New Mexico State was without Jabari Rice, Clayton Henry, Donnie Tillman, and Mayan Kerr on Monday, and the team was hurting without them. I know the game ended up being a blowout, but it wasn't like that at the beginning. The Mustangs were only down 25-23 to with .8 seconds left in the first half. That's before the flagrant foul on Evan Gilliard, where he made the three free throws and then hit a ridiculous buzzer beater on the ensuing play. And while you can definitely attribute this to rust, considering the team hasn't played a game since December 28th, the fact that New Mexico State was severely undermanned also played a big factor. The Aggies are about to start whack play this week, and I promise you, they're going to struggle if Monday's list of active players is all they have. There's just too many teams that are playing good basketball right now. It's not a cakewalk conference by any means, so the Aggies need that depth that has eluded them all season. Now, when are these players coming back? Well, that leads us perfectly into segment number two. Alrighty, folks, so that buzzer means it's time for segment number two, which is an update on New Mexico State's injuries. As I mentioned in the previous segment, the Aggies were undermanned in their win over Western New Mexico. And while the team hasn't given us, meaning the media, a lot of concrete recovery timelines, I was able to gather some additional info on Monday. So I'm just going to go through the list here. Up first is the preseason WAC Player of the Year, Jabari Rice. The Richard Jr. suffered a Jones fracture in his right foot earlier this season and was ruled out for six to eight weeks. Now, with that timeline in mind, Rice was set to return anytime between January 13th and January 27th. However, New Mexico State head coach Chris Jans told me on Monday that Jabari recently suffered a setback in his rehab process. An updated timeline has not been given yet, but it does look like we're going to have to wait a little while longer for his return. He was in a boot on Monday, so that's a pretty good indication that it's going to take some time. And speaking of taking some time, there still isn't a return date in the near future for Clayton Henry. The redshirt senior has been out since the Cal State Northridge game on December 28th with the right foot injury of his own. And while Jans hasn't provided too much info on the extent of it, he described it as a long-term injury. So those are two key players in New Mexico State will be without for a bit of time, but it isn't all bad news for the Aggies. Mayan Kerr missed the game against Western New Mexico due to a bruised tailbone, although Jans told me after the game that he expects the South Florida transfer to play in the two-game series against Grand Canyon this Friday and Saturday. Donnie Timmon was also a surprise scratch from Monday's game. When asked why that was the case, Jan said, quote, he wasn't with us today. I guess that's my statement, end quote. So not a whole lot to go off of. However, KTSM's Colin Diva reported on Monday that New Mexico State AD Mario Mocha said Tillman will be available later this week. So that definitely is good news for the Aggies. And then finally, Marcus Watson continues to sit out due to ineligibility. A lot of people have been asking me when he'll be cleared to suit up. So I'll just reiterate it. February 1st is a date to mark on your calendar, folks. He has been able to practice with the team all season, so that should shorten his learning curve once he does suit up, but my guess would be that New Mexico State eases him into the rotation, similar to what we saw when Kerr made his debut against CSUN in a game where he played two minutes. So that is my update on the Aggies' injuries. Now let's move on with the show. Alrighty folks, so that buzzer means it's time for segment number three, which are my week four WAC predictions. 
Last week, I went 2-0 on my picks. The only series was Grand Canyon at Dixie State, and I had the Lopes getting the sweep there, which is what happened. So that puts me at 10-1 on the season. Not too shabby. And now it's time to take a look at this week's matchups. We have three of them on the docket, folks, and our first one is Dixie State at Cal Baptist. The Trailblazers are in search of their first whack win after getting off to an 0-4 start. And while you probably know about Cameron Gooden and Hunter Schofield by now, if you've been following either this podcast or the team, one guy who I'm looking to see step up is Frank Stain. The 6'6 sophomore is a wing player who got off to a hot start to the season. He scored double-digit points in five of his first six outings, but he hasn't managed to do so in whack play so far. Stain leans on his three-point shooting, and he's also a good facilitator at the three-spot. He's averaging 2.6 assists per contest, which ranks second on the team, and his assist-to-turnover ratio of 1.6 also ranks second on the squad. Look for him to provide some variety to a Dixie State offense that really leans on Gooden and Schofield, because that duo just isn't explosive enough to carry the Trailblazers to wins in the WAC, which we've seen so far. They need other guys to step up. Then there's Cal Baptist. The Lancers are 2-2 two and two on WAC play, and they're led by Ty Rowell. After averaging just 6 points per game in the two losses to Utah Valley earlier this month, the Richard Jr. rebounded well in a pair of contests against Tarleton State by averaging 17.5 points per game. As good as guys such as Reed Nottage and Trey Armstrong are, Rowell is really the one who makes this offense run, not just because of his scoring, but because of his facilitating as well. Cal Baptist needs him to be at his best if it wants to climb the WAC standings. The deciding factor in this one is going to be Dixie State's ability to protect the perimeter. The Lancers rank 19th in the country in three-point percentage, which is 39.2%, but the Trailblazers rank 68th in the country in three-point defense, allowing opponents to only shoot 30.4%. Cal Baptist really leans on its threes. That's what makes it the highest scoring offense in the WAC, and I think the team will find a way to put up some big numbers on the scoreboard, so give me the Lancers for the sweep. Our second matchup is Tarleton State at Utah Valley. Similar to their fellow WAC newcomer Dixie State, the Texans are also in search of their first conference win with an 0-4 record so far. Montre Gibson remains the team's undisputed go-to scorer, averaging 17.2 points per game on 57.7% shooting from the floor and also 53.8% shooting from deep. The guy can score from anywhere, we know that, but what impressed me in the team's win against Howard Payne on Monday was that he tallied a season-high six assists in the process. Gibson isn't known for his passing, and I think it's going to be crucial to get other guys involved against the Wolverines, because we've already seen Gibson drop 30 in a loss to Grand Canyon earlier this season. We saw him drop 23 in a loss to Weber State. Other guys such as Taj Small and Konstantin Donsenko have to get more involved. Then there's Utah Valley. The Wolverines are 3-0 in whack play so far, and they're led by Jamison Overton, a 6'6 senior who's averaging a conference-best 18.8 points per game while shooting 55.3% from the floor. Overton is a great finisher around the rim, and he's elite at drawing contact as well, which is why he's averaging 6.9 free throw attempts per contest. Throwing guys like Fardos Amok, the country's leading rebounder, and Trey Woodbury, a 16 points per game scorer who provides crucial three-point shooting. And this Wolverines team is playing as well as anyone in the WAC right now. The deciding factor in this one is going to be Utah Valley's ability to limit turnovers. The Wolverines turned the ball over on 21.8% of their possessions, which ranks 291st in the country. Meanwhile, Tarleton State forces a turnover on 21.7% of their opponent's possessions, which is the 56th highest percentage in the nation. The Texans pride themselves in their defense, and that's going to have to shine in this series if they want to have a chance. I don't think we're going to be in for a blowout by any means on any of these games, but I still have Utah Valley getting the sweep here. And now it's time for our series of the week, which is New Mexico State at Grand Canyon, the one you've been waiting for. We're about to go in-depth on that matchup in segment number four, so let's get into it. 
Alrighty, folks, so that buzzer means it's time for our fourth and final segment of the day, which is a preview of New Mexico State's two-game road series against Grand Canyon. The Aggies are set to take on the Lopes this Friday and Saturday in Phoenix, Arizona. Tip-off time for both contests is scheduled for 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and as I said, this is our WAC series of the week, so let's jump into it. We'll start off with New Mexico State. The team is 3-1 this season, although it's still in search of its first Division I victory. The Aggies are well behind the rest of the WAC in terms of playing experience this year, and they're also dealing with a number of injuries. But one thing the team is anticipating is the return of Donnie Tillman. He's a 6'7 senior forward who's averaging 14 points and a team-high 9.7 rebounds per contest. Tillman is so important because of his ability to move up and down the lineup, and he's really going to present problems for the Lopes since he's stronger than a guy like Oscar Freire at the three spot, and he's quicker than a guy like Alessandro Oliver at the four. Then there's Johnny McCants. One of his best games last season came against Grand Canyon on February 1st. He racked up 17 points, 12 rebounds, and 5 assists for good measure in the win. And while we've really only seen glimpses of Johnny at his best so far this season, there's no better time for him to have himself a strong outing than this weekend. Then there's Grand Canyon. The Lopes are 10-3 on the season, 4-0 in whack play, and the guy who really has stolen the show is Abzorn Midgard. The 7-foot senior is averaging team highs of 15.1 points and 12.7 rebounds per contest while shooting 74.5% from the floor, folks. This is a guy who is mostly an opportunist on offense, meaning he'll cash in on handoffs down low or get putbacks. His frontcourt partner is Alessandro Lieber, a 6'10 senior who's averaging 12.8 points per game while shooting 40.5% from distance. And that's really what makes this duo so dangerous. Lieber has the range that brings the defense out and allows Midgard to operate down low since he's almost exclusively a close range scorer. And the third perfect piece to the puzzle is Javon Blackshear Jr., a 5'11 sophomore who facilitates as well as anyone in the WAC. He's averaging 5.2 assists per game, and he does a great job of getting the ball to his two big men, in addition to averaging 11.8 points per contest himself. This is a lethal big three that Grand Canyon has, and the Aggies are really going to have their hands full this weekend. So that takes us into our key to success. The biggest key for New Mexico State in this series is to hold its own on the glass. Grand Canyon is second in the WAC in rebounds per game at 41.2 and first in the conference in how many rebounds they give up per game, which is only 29.4. This is a team that gets plenty of second chance opportunities and rarely allows any on the other end, so the Aggies have to find a way to hold their own. Tillman and McCants are going to be leaned on for that without a doubt, but I'll also need other guys such as William McNair, Mayan Kerr, and Wilfred Lakai to chip in, and also anything the guards can contribute will be a big plus as well. Now with that being said, it's time for my prediction, so can I get a drum roll please? So for this series, I have Grand Canyon winning Game 1 by a score of 72-68, to followed by New Mexico State winning Game 2 by a score of 69-65. to I still think the Lopes are the Aggies' biggest threat in the WAC, and I do expect New Mexico State to experience some growing pains as it catches up to speed with the rest of the conference. But at the end of the day, it is a two-game series back-to-back days, and I think that's going to benefit the Aggies because I trust that Jans and the rest of his staff will be able to make some adjustments and a rebound in Game 2. So that is going to do it for episode 10 of Straight Shooter. And before we get out of here, folks, I want to give a late congratulations to Treble and Queen. I meant to do this in the last episode, but it slipped my mind. The former Aggie recently made the cut for the RGV Vipers roster as the G League affiliate of the Houston Rockets. The G League season is set to begin on February 8th at ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex at Disney World near Orlando, Florida. Jamario Jones, another Aggie alum, will also be there. 
He's going to be competing for the Delaware Bluecoats, which is an affiliate of the Philadelphia 76ers. So best of luck to both of them. Definitely wishing them the best. But now that is going to do it for me today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, share it with the rest of Aggie Nation, and consider subscribing or following, depending on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you guys want to stay up to date with all things Aggie Hoops, make sure to follow me on Twitter at JadeSportsDude and subscribe to the Las Cruces Sun News. This has been Justin Martinez, a.k.a. Jada Sports Dude, and I'll see you guys next Wednesday. I'm out.